Come on, how many of you, your, your forward is better than your backwards? Come on, somebody. How many of you, this is going to be the best year you've ever had? Amen, amen, amen. Why don't you high-five three people next to you and say, God bless you. God bless you. You guys don't want to sit down. All right, praise the Lord. That's all right. You can have a seat. (laughs) This is a standing church. Come on, somebody. How many of you are ready to get in the Word today? All right. If you've got a Bible, matter of fact, hold that Bible up in the air. See where all the Christians are. I'm just teasing. Those of you that are online, glad you're with us. You can turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 4. Before we get into the Word today, I just want to say a big I'm sorry that the Giants lost last night. Those of you that are watching online, you just got to go with me for a minute here. I'm, I'm deeply sorry. I had to shut off the game after the first quarter. Just I felt like it was going downhill real quick, and I'm very sorry. Uh, but guess what? There is still a New York team in the running, and so all of you have shifted from being a Giants fan maybe to a Bills fan. Any Anybody? Okay, never mind. Okay. Eagles. How many of you are Eagles fans in here? Only one person would admit to that. All right, all right, all right, all right. Well, praise the Lord. I don't think there will be football in heaven, but uh, come on, while we're on earth, let's enjoy it a little bit. Can we do that? All right, two of you. Excellent. This is great. Uh, so, uh, again, it's going uh, to be a great year. How many of you believe 2023 is going to be a really good year? Good. Listen, for those of you that may not feel it, I want you to go ahead and just prophesy to 2023. Yes. Call those things that are not as though they are. It's going to be a great year. It's going to be a year of breakthrough. It's going to be a year of abundance. Right? The Lord gave me a verse this year as I was thinking, and uh, normally the Lord kind of gives me the verse and the theme for the year for my life before the start of the new year. And this year he didn't. This year, the word of the Lord came to me after. And the Lord said to me, he said, Jesse, this is the year of the open door. Amen. And then he led me to Revelation chapter 3, verse 8, where it says, I have set before you an open door that no one can shut. Now, for some of you, God may have already spoken to you what your word is or what he wants to do in your life. And maybe some of you, like me, he hasn't. But you can today latch on to that word that this is a year where God is going to open a door for you. Where all the doors in the hallway of life have been locked, have been shut, have been closed, but you kept walking. This is a year that the door is going to open for you. Amen? That's not what I'm speaking on today. I want you guys to know that uh, this weekend we gathered together um, some of the key leaders here at Liberty And we began to plan and look and think about what 2023 was going to look like.
we began to reminisce about what happened in uh, 2022 and celebrate what God did. And we started to kind of sense and feel as we talked, Pastor began to say, there is a grace that is here. There's an anointing that is here. There's a significant move of God that is taking place here at Liberty right now. Now, for some of you, you may not feel it. You may not know that it's happening. But for those of you that are here, those of you that are watching online, there is a power and a grace that is at work within our church. Exactly. Something is happening. Something is stirring. And God is shifting this church to the next level. And as we begin to talk and plan and, and decide on some key things that are going to be happening, I want you all to buckle up because God is doing a new thing. And we began to realize that in 2022, there were over 400 prayer meetings that took place here at Liberty Bible Fellowship Church. Now, for some of you, that may not be important, but I need you to understand that there is a direct connection to the amount of time that we spend focusing in prayer and prophesying about the future and putting things before God and setting our eyes on the Lord to the move of God that is taking place here within the church. Every great move of God was birthed from prayer. Everything significant that has ever happened in the history of the church was always bathed and was built on the foundation of prayer. And so as a church, do not get weary, do not get discouraged, keep pressing in, keep praying, keep attending, keep being a part of what God is doing here at Liberty, and watch what God begins to do in your life and through your life as you participate and keep your eyes fixed on Him. Can I get an amen? So we have many great things in store over the next few months, so I want you to be ready. Cell groups are going to be launching soon. If you have not been a part of the cell groups here at Liberty. I want you to make it a priority. Get involved. Be in the cell groups. These leaders are fired up, charged up, and ready to go. It's a place where you're going to grow significantly in your relationship with God. In addition, we have many things for Sunday school. We have things for men and women. We have things for youth. Uh, Students, please get involved. The deeper your roots go, the more nutrients you're going to receive. Come on, that's a message for somebody in here. Come on. All right, can I get into the Word a little bit today? All right, 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to start reading in verse 1. I'm going to have you stand for the reading of the Word today. We're going to read it out loud together. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. I will begin and I'll tell you when. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Let's read together. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all of your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. 
So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her. She poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. I'm going to read that first verse one more time to you. A certain woman of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Let's pray. Father, I pray today that there would be less of me and more of you. I pray today, God, in all that I'm going to say, that something would touch every heart that is here. That it wouldn't just be another message. It would be an altering message. That it just wouldn't be another story that we've heard, but it would be a story that shifts something inside of each of us. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. We set our eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. In the month of November, um, I had the, the privilege with an organization that I have the opportunity to work with. Um, they selected me to be one of um, what they call a manager of a, an endeavor that they do for five weeks. And so what they did is they flew me from Dallas and they flew me to Denver for five weeks. And my responsibility was to lead uh, the project for the organization. And what, what it did it, is we gather resources from the United States and we ship them out all over the world. And in those five weeks, it, the project is, is very large. It's very consuming. And uh, one of the perks of that is, is I was able to bring my family out. And so, not for the whole five weeks. They have things they've got to do. But I brought my family out for one of the weeks and uh, we, had, we had some time to go and enjoy ourselves while we were in Colorado. Anybody been to Denver before? One of you. Great. This is wonderful. Okay, so we went to Denver, and uh, we had a blast. We worked, and we served, and we sacrificed. And, and then uh, on Sunday morning, we got up early, and we went for the mountains. And uh, we drove for about an hour and a half up to the mountains, and I was going to take my family skiing. Now, I grew up on the slopes of the Northwest, and so skiing was a regular part of my everyday life. It was something that I did. I learned to ski when I was very young. I loved to ski. I loved the outdoors. I loved doing those things. But I was taking my family for the first time. None of them knew how to ski. And so I knew I had my work cut out for me, learned, trying to teach my family how to ski. And if I didn't teach them how to ski, then I would have a terrible day, okay? Um, and so I got, we got up to the slopes, and I taught my family how to ski, and... 
and uh, we, we spent about the first hour and a half on the, 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 the very small slope. If any of you have ever been skiing before, the, the very, it's almost flat. Like, it's very easy. I taught them how to snow plow. I taught them uh, what to do, how to, how to get on the magic carpet and go up and then come back down. And we got it, and my wife got it, and she was the one I was most concerned about, only because she's the oldest, not because she's handicapped, but she's the older one. So I thought, well, geez, sometimes the older you are, sometimes the harder it is. And, and, and my wife actually got it. By the way, she's sitting on the front row. I forgot to acknowledge that my wife is with me. Please give my wife a round of applause. I don't always get to bring her. She happens to be here today. And Friday, I took her to uh, Manhattan and carried her bags and gave her my card and uh, did all the things that uh, I'm supposed to do when she comes with me. And I think she had a good time. And uh, she's smiling now, so that's good. Um, so we're in Colorado, and I'm teaching my family how to ski, and my wife gets it, and, and uh, uh, my daughter gets it, right? She's, she's 10. She gets it. She gets on real quick. She catches on, and I'm, oh, gosh, this is great. And then my, my middle son catches on. He's about 16, and he gets it, and, and, and I'm watching all of these. But my oldest son, 18, is really having a hard time. And he was the one I thought would catch on the quickest. He is just having a hard time. I'm like, it's flat. It's easy. There's not a, right? And, and as a parent, you've you're, you got frustration that is building. You don't let them know. But inside, you're like, are you kidding me? Come on. This is not that hard. And, and he just cannot get it. Well, finally, he gets it down enough that I say, you know what? All of us are bored. We're going to go up the chairlift. And so we all get on the chairlift, and it's one of those six-seater chairlifts. And we get on the chairlift, and we go up, and we're going on the easiest run on the entire mountain. There's nine peaks. We're going on the easiest run. The run is one and a half miles long. We get up to the top of this. We're looking down the mountain. It's going to be exciting. I'm, everyone has caught on to skiing. Maybe I'll have an opportunity to go down the slope. And so I look back and I say, you guys wait here. I'll go down a little bit. I'll stop. You come to me. And we'll just kind of stair-step our way down. So I go down and I stop. And sure enough, three out of the four of them make it down. And my oldest son is freaking out. Dad, I can't do it. Dad, he's all over the place. He finally gets down and he's screaming. 18 years old, he's screaming like he's five years old. Dad, I can't do it. And he falls and he tumbles. Skis fly everywhere. The whole mountain starts laughing. And I bury my hands in my gloves and I say, God, please. What do I do? Have you ever been in a spot where just things seemed out of control? Where you just couldn't do it? And you just didn't know what's going on, what to do? So we find here in this story that there is a woman, a certain woman, the Bible says. She is a wife of the prophets, one of the sons of the prophets. Now, if we study this particular woman, she's one of the characters in the Bible that we're not given a name of. But if we study enough, we can find there's a connection to her. She's actually, uh, theologians believe, the wife of Obadiah. Now, why is Obadiah so important? Because Obadiah wrote one of the minor prophetic books that we find that we can read in the Old Testament. But why is Obadiah important? Because Obadiah was actually the administrator of King Ahab's palace. 
Now, why is that significant? Because King Ahab was married to Jezebel, and you all know the story of what happens there. But, but here's the key. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 4, Obadiah is actually the one that took and hid the hundred prophets in the caves and then fed them for a certain length of time during the period that Jezebel was, was doing Baal worship and was looking to kill all of the prophets. So God was using Obadiah in a unique way to hide them and to feed them. And what's interesting is in that time, Obadiah wouldn't have had the money to pay to keep all those prophets fed. So Obadiah had to borrow money from king, the king Ahab, to hide the prophets. And so now this prophet that hid all of these other prophets during the time that they were all being slaughtered, his wife is now coming to Elisha and saying to him, I'm in despair. My husband is dead. I'm in debt. My boys are about to get stolen. What do I do? And the Bible says she cried out to the man of God. So we find this woman, she's in despair, she's crying, she's dealing with death, her husband has passed, and she's dealing with debt because the creditors are coming. You cannot be in any worse of a position. Despair, death, and debt are all beating at your door all at the same time. She's desperate for something to happen. And the Bible says that the creditor is coming to take away her boys. Now, if you read in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 21, the Bible says that if someone is in debt to another, that they can come and make that person a slave for six years to pay back the debt. Now, the seventh is the year of Jubilee, but they can come and make them a slave for seven years, or six years. So here it is. According to the law, he had every right to come and to take her boys to pay off her debt. Number two, this was the woman's only hope for the future. You see, her two sons, because the husband was gone, her two sons were the only ones that could work to take care of her and them. And if the creditor took them, where was she going to go next? She had nowhere to go. Now, we read that the Bible said she cried out. She looked to the man of God. Now, why is that important? You see, in the Old Testament, God was not in relationship with man and woman like he is today. You see, the Bible says that when Jesus died, the veil of the temple was ripped. In other words, you and I now have direct access to a relationship with God. Come on, somebody. In the Old Testament, that wasn't the case. You needed somebody to stand in the gap on your behalf. And so the prophet represented God. So when somebody called on the prophet, that was how they called on God. I'm calling on God by running to the prophet. But the key is this, is that she knew where to funnel her tears. You see, the key to your breakthrough is knowing where to funnel your tears. You see, some of you funnel your tears to your friends and your family. And, and listen, some of you go to a co-worker or to a counselor. Listen to me, and counselors aren't bad. But none of these can change your circumstances. None of these can change your situation. None of these can fix your problem. And most of them, like Job's friends, only make matters worse for you. You have to learn how to take your tears and catch them and funnel them in the right direction. You have to know how to take your time and make it work to your advantage. You funnel your tears towards the Father. Can I get an amen? 
Otherwise, you're wasting your time and expecting things to change. And some of you have been waiting for your breakthrough, but you keep funneling your tears to other people, not to God. Oh, Lord Jesus. You need to direct those cries. Direct that attention toward the one who can rescue you. She cries out to the prophet. He asks her two questions back to back. And the two questions that he asks her is this. What do you want me to do? Some of you, God is saying, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do this year? Some of you felt like you can't ask God because you've done something that you don't think God's happy with. I can't go to God and ask that. I've sinned. I've made a mistake. And you spend so much time looking at your imperfection that God says, listen, your imperfection is covered by my perfection. And my perfection is named Jesus. And so in the midst of your imperfection, come to me. What do you want me to do? And then he asks her this. What's in your house? Now notice there was no time in between the two. The Bible doesn't say, he asked her, what do you want me to do? And then we talked, and then he asked me, what's in your house? No, he said, what do you want me to do to get her thinking? Because listen, God already knows what you need before you ask. Some of you need to hear that right now. Before you even ask, God already knows what you need. He's aware. He's cognizant of what's going on. But this, when you ask, it represents dependence. It represents where you turn for your provision. You see, when you don't ask God, you're telling God, I got this. When you do ask God, you're saying, I know where to go to get what I need. I know where to go to turn. I know where my help comes from, and my help comes from the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We turn to Him. So she turns. It represents her dependence. Now He asks her, what's in your house? Now this is a pivotal question for her. This changes the trajectory of the entire story. This question is everything for her to stop and evaluate her circumstances and her life from a completely different filter. Up to this point, she had no hope. This question now forces her to evaluate her life in a completely different light. Because when God asks you a question, he's not waiting for an answer. He's waiting for you to pause, evaluate, and get ready because he's going to give you a response. What is in your house? He's asking her to stop. What have you overlooked? What have you overlooked? What have you not considered in your life? What has been insignificant? What has been unimportant? What in your life is unglamorous? What have you given up on? You see, up to this point, the reason why the woman had nothing in her house is because she has already sold everything. She has nothing left. But here's what I need you to understand. No matter how much you've got, no matter how desperate you are, no matter how far gone the circumstance may seem, if you'll acknowledge what you've got, big or small, God can take that thing and make it great. 
What have you given up on? What is the jar of oil in your life? You see, what we see as limited, God sees as limitless. What we see as a problem, God sees as potential. Stop limiting what you have. Stop shortchanging the potential of God. Because when you pray, you're saying, I am not going based on my potential. When I pray, I'm going on His potential. And some of you, the reason why you're not moving forward is because you're focused on your own ability and potential. And God is saying, you've got to get you out of the equation and let my potential carry you to where I want to take you and where you want to be. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Stop comparing yourself to what you see around you. Some of you preachers that may be watching right now, stop comparing yourself to all those online preachers. Stop trying to be somebody else. All you do is flip through TikTok. All you do is flip through Instagram. And all you're trying to be is what you see. Some of you need to stop looking at Instagram and TikTok. And you need to look in the mirror. And you need to appreciate who you are and what God has made you to be. And stop trying to be something that you see outside of you. Amen. Stop comparing yourself. Because what you do when you compare is you use it as an excuse not to step up into your own God-given potential. You see, some of you are still searching for the plan of God for your life because you keep looking at what everyone else is doing, trying to figure out who you are. And God says, you ain't going to find who you are by looking at others. you got to find who you are by looking at me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you catching this? You see, God asked Moses the same question he's asking this woman. He said to her, what's in your house? He said to Moses, what's in your hand? You see, it's the same question, not only that he asked her and he asked Moses, but he asked Shamgar. Shamgar, what's in your hand? And Shamgar used, listen to me, an ox goad and killed 600 men with it. What? What do you have that you don't believe can be used? What do you have? And some of you, 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 you just keep looking at this jar of oil. And listen to me. It may be a failing marriage. Listen, it, it may be <laughs> that rickety old car you've got. Some of you, it may be the meager job you have. Some of you, it might be that small house. Some of you, it might not be even a college degree. It might be just, I got a high school GED. I'm a single mom. I'm divorced. I'm struggling. I'm in debt. What's your jar of oil? What is it that you think God can't use? What's your weakness? What's your struggle? What's your story? Because remember, God uses the least likely to accomplish his mission.
God uses the least likely, not just people, but things. What are those things? Because what we see as little, God sees as a miracle. But remember, just let me give you a little warning for just a minute here. The enemy thrives on incomplete seasons. Because he wants you to believe that God's not going to come through. That God can't do it. That God won't use you. And he's going to flood your life with fear. And fear, fear attempts to define your future. What is that jar of oil? You've all heard this verse. You've all heard this story. But I'm going to have this verse, 2 Corinthians 12. I want you to see this. And then I'm going to share with you a quick story that I believe will help you understand what this is saying. 2 Corinthians 12. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure and infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecution and distress for Christ's sake. Listen, for when I'm weak, say it with me, then, then I'm strong. Then you're strong. You're not strong any other way. There's, there's no other way to be strong until you're weak. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen, he says grace is is sufficient in other words it's enough to cover everything (laughs) it doesn't just make up the difference it is more than the difference listen it is access some of you don't realize that the access you're looking for is in your weakness you hearing what i'm saying grace is access to power and the power of God working in you and through you. That's why James can say, count it all joy. Right? That's why the Bible says that that broken and contriteness, God cannot deny. In other words, brokenness, contriteness, is actually the valley in which God's grace flows to. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes you need to stop running from failure. Stop running from brokenness. Stop running from the skeletons in your closet and throw the door wide open. And God is asking you, you will you open the door to brokenness to him? That's access to the Father, and that is the strength. Listen, some of you need to just confess. You need to get that out of your life and get that off your chest. And when we confess to God, we receive forgiveness. When we confess to others, we receive healing. And too many of you have forgotten and don't realize that the healing that you're waiting for, God is saying to you, if you'll get vulnerable, you'll get your breakthrough. So my son falls. He's like, Dad, I can't do this. I'm going to break my leg. I can't make it, Dad. And he's an 18-year-old kid, and he's acting like he's four. And I'm frustrated. And in that moment, the Spirit of God spoke to me. 
And I looked at my son, and I said, son, you're going to stand up right now. I said, quit your complaining, and I want you to stand up right now. And he stood up, and his legs are like this on the mountain. He's, and he's, Dad, I can't do it. I'm going to break my leg. Dad, I can't do it. There's no way I can do it. I said, son, I'm going to take care of this. I need you to just trust me. And so my 18-year-old son is about this tall, shoulders about this wide. He's standing there. I said, I want you to stand with your skis together like this. The hill's going that way. And, and I come around. My son, I put one ski on one side and one ski on the other side. I said, son, I said, all I need you to do is relax and trust me. And I grab onto my son. And his shoulders are so broad, I can't, I can't see around. So I'm like this. Right? My neck's getting a crick because I'm trying to look around my son's shoulders. He's too tall. I can't see over his shoulder. Right? And so I grab onto my son. I take my poles and I pull my son in real close. He's right up to my chest right here. His skis are in the middle. My skis are on the outside. And I slowly turn us to go down the hill. And as we're going down the hill, I could feel his legs wobbling. I could feel him shaking. He's saying, Dad, I can't do it. Dad, I can't do it. And I said, Son, I need you to trust me. I know what I'm doing. I said, Son, I just need you to just relax and trust me. I know how to get you down the mountain. If you'll just relax, if you'll just keep your skis pointed straight, I'll take care of the rest. And I just let him down and weaved back and forth for the mile and a half all the way down the mountain. As I could hear his voice trembling, as I could feel his knees shaking, as I could feel his hips wobbling, all of that was happening. But guess what? I remained steady. I remained calm. I kept my legs in order. He stayed between. Between me and I held him with my ski poles and my boy didn't go anywhere but down the mountain with the peace that he wanted you see friends the father will take his skis and he will surround your weakness and he will make you strong you see this woman right here was trembling she didn't know what to do But you need to understand that in the midst of your weakness, that's where the strength of God rushes in. But God won't do the miracle until you take the action. You see, God multiplied the fish and the bread when it was passed out. God multiplied the oil when it was poured out. Listen, your strength, your finances, your dreams, your marriage, your parenting, your future is all wrapped up in your action. Never underestimate the power that you play in God performing a miracle on your behalf. Because God, listen, God doesn't need human action, but he waits for it. Because faith really moves you to do something. It moves you to act. It moves you to cry out to Him. It it moves you to action. And God's powerful provision invites your hard work to be a part of the process. God likes to use that to partner with you to see your breakthrough. The next thing the prophet told her was to shut the door. 
Listen to me. There are some of you in here that need to close the door on some things. People, relationships, negativity, outside distractions. Listen, when Jesus healed the young girl, what did he do? He put everyone out. He shut the door, right? When, when God was saving Noah and his family from the flood, all of them got into the ark, and the Bible says, and God shut him in. He was shut the door. Listen, many times before God takes you to a new place, he's going to remove everything that distracts you. He's going to shut the door. And this is so common. You find this through the scriptures all over. In many of the stories of the miraculous, Elijah was healing. In the next story, the boy, the Shunammite woman's son, everybody was out. He shut the door. He was alone. That's when the miracle took place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Shut in, isolated, disconnected. These are all the breeding ground for miraculous things to happen in your life. These are the conditions when God's about to do a miracle in your life. Some of you have been fighting to hold on to something God is asking you to let go of. Listen to me. What you're willing to release determines what you can receive. What you're willing to release determines what you're, what you're going to receive, what you can receive. Listen, your capacity to receive is determined by your humility to release. Because humility says, I give it all. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That gives you capacity. Your capacity to get more of what God wants for you is all contingent on what you're willing to give up. Because listen, you have to give up to go up. The Bible said she had to ask others for help. She had to get vessels. They didn't need to know what she was using the vessels for. She just needed to go get the vessels. You see, God can give you a permanent miracle in a temporary season. And some of you, this season may be temporary for you. You're going through something, but God will give you a permanent miracle. Whether it's a healing to your body, a healing to your mind, a healing to your marriage, a healing to your family. Whatever it is, God can give you a permanent miracle in a temporary season. Some of you have to stop believing this season's going to last forever. The season doesn't last forever. The season will change. Circumstances will change. But the miraculous will stay with you. So believe God for a permanent miracle in a temporary season season you see the power was in her willingness to do what the prophet commanded her to do many of you God has brought people around you to help you and you keep rejecting God's provision because it's not packaged the way you want it to be you think it's not God so you reject it what does the Bible say about prayer We read this in the book of Matthew. It says, when you pray in the secret place, you close the door. Then the Bible talks about giving, and it says, what the Father sees you do in secret, he will reward you openly. Listen to me. (laughs) Power is developed in secret. No one that has the power of God at work on their life got it because of anything they did publicly. 
Your private preparation, your private prayer, your private intercession, your private tears, your private crying, your private mourning, your private time, your privacy with God is where the public miraculous, where the miracle happens, where the breakthrough happens because God rewards you publicly for what you do secretly. Let me tell you this. You see people fall into sin. They don't fall into sin publicly until they first allowed it in their private life you hearing what I'm saying the anointing multiplies in secret the multiplication happens in secret some of you God has been telling you to shut the door and you haven't been listening listen some of you God has been trying to do a private work in you but you keep opening the door too much you keep posting on social media too much you keep making your life so public that God can't do anything in your life because you won't let him let you be private you hear what I'm saying you won't get private with God so God can't do anything public in your life are you hearing what I'm saying You can't even go to a restaurant without posting your food. You can't even get dressed in the morning without posting your outfit. You can't even go do an event without posting what you're doing. You got to let the whole world know what you're doing. And God is saying, and you're going to stay right there because you're already getting your reward. Listen, your comments and your likes is your reward. And God's saying, you can have that reward or you can have my reward, but you can't have both. You got to decide, is it secret or is it private or is it public? Are you hearing what I'm saying? That was for those of you that are 30 and under. And all moms and dads said amen. All right, here we go. Let him do a work where no one can see. (laughs) Where no one can see. Prophet told her this. He said, don't stop pouring. If you're not willing to give what you have, you're not willing to get what God has. She had to risk Losing what she had in order to get what God had. Think about it for just a minute. Put yourself in a circumstance. I have to give what I've got with no promise that I'm going to get anything back. He didn't tell her what was going to happen after she poured the oil. He just said, pour the oil in the vessels. The story wasn't complete. She had to risk. I'm going to say it again. God will always call you to give up so he can show up. Listen to me. The pouring is obedience. It's a curse word in the church today. So for all of you that are upset because I'm I'm cursing in church, I apologize. Obedience. Listen, when you stop obeying, you stop experiencing the miraculous of God. So many of us, we stop seeing God work. Listen, not because he stops providing, not because he's changed, because he doesn't. He remains the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is good through all generations. He is the same. He hasn't changed. But you stop seeing God work, not because he stops blessing or providing, but because you stop obeying. 
Listen, obedience is what separates those that wish from those that get. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The willing experience the miracles of God. The wishing talk about it, but never experience it. Will you live a yes, Lord, life? Will you live a life that says, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll do whatever you say. I'm willing. I'm obedient. I'll keep pouring. You see, the kingdom of God is such as this. You don't receive until you make capacity to receive. And you can't make capacity to receive until you're empty. You see, the Bible says she kept pouring and then the oil stopped. Now listen, the oil stopped flowing when there was no more emptiness. When you're already filled up, the anointing can't flow in your life. It won't flow in you if you're filled. Because God only works in emptiness. The emptier you are, the fuller you can be. <laughs> Listen to me. I'm going to hit it home right now. I'm, I'm going to stomp on your toe. Don't you try to hide it under the chair. Are you ready? Some of you are so full of the things of this world. You are so full of social media. You are so full of Instagram. You are so full of Netflix. You are so full of work. You are so full of Yellowstone. You are so full of TV shows. You are so full of everything else that you have no room for God's power and anointing in your life. You have no room. Why, God? Why? Because you don't make space for the grace to anoint the space that you're in. Are you with me? And you keep asking God for breakthrough. Listen to me, church. I, I just listen. Please listen to this. We cannot keep blaming God for not moving. When we have not made any space for God to work. Because the potential of the space that we give, when we invite God into that space, He brings all the blessing and power and breakthrough and anointing and supplication and supply and everything you need. He brings it in. But you have to make space for that grace in the place in your life. Are you with me? And listen, it's more than just coming to church it's more than this this is this is great but listen how many of you have ever had ice cream at the end of your meal anybody ever had dessert how many of you like dessert all right so i just got i'm going to confess right now i can i confess but i just told you that when you confess you get healing and when you confess you get forgiveness I have a hunch I need forgiveness and deliverance, probably. I have had cheesecake three days in a row after my meals. Some of you guys are like, I have cheesecake after every meal. Listen, for me, cheesecake three days in a row is unheard of. I'm confessing. 
church is the icing on the cake to your life. It's not the main course. The main course is when you wake up tomorrow and you go to work and you wake up to bad breath when you turn over. Oh my gosh. When you got to brush your teeth and you got to shower and you got to flat iron your hair. All of the, that, that is the main course. This is dessert. And some of you, you live a spiritual life where all you focus on is the dessert. And you forget that if you don't make space in your everyday place, God's grace can't provide what you're looking for. All right, I'm sorry. Titus chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. I'm going to wrap it up here. I told Pastor I'd have you out by one, so. Titus 3, 6. It says, Whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. God saw you and I were empty. We were those empty vessels of no use. As long as a vessel had nothing in it, it was no use. It was just to be discarded and thrown out. And so it's interesting that the prophet told her to go gather the things that were not accounted for, that were discarded, that were trash, and bring them in. And when he brought them in and he filled them, they became significant. The Bible says that God took your earthen vessel and he placed his spirit in you as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. <laughs> You see, there is a to come for all of us that have the Spirit in us. Because what will happen is, is that when He comes back, <laughs> He's going to come back and He's going to look for the part of Himself that He left in you. Looking around, where, where am I at? Where am I at? Ah, there I am. And when he comes to take himself, give me your hand, sister. When he comes to take himself, come on, stand up. That's all right, you'll get that in a minute. When he comes to take himself, guess who gets to go with? Who's going with? You. He's coming down for himself because he put his spirit in you. And so he's going to come down and get his spirit, and he's going to take you with. You ready? That's all right. That's all right. Right here. He's going to take you with. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so you need to be empty for the spirit to fill you, because that guarantees what's to come for you. And if you still want the what's to come, then you have to be empty and not overflowing with things of this world.
If you're too full, you have no room for the Spirit of God. And if you have no room for the Spirit of God, then when He comes, He won't get you. Not because He doesn't love you, but because He's not in you. And He only comes to get Himself and takes you along with Him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So church, today, today, I'll walk you back. Today is a day that you have to, you have to remember that the emptier you are, the emptier you are, the more room you have for God to work in your life. You set all your stuff, set your stuff down on the floor, next to you on a chair, wherever. Set your stuff down right now. Just set it down. I want you to turn your, turn your hands up like this. Turn your hands up to heaven right now. Some of you don't know how to. And I'm going to pray right now. The Spirit of God will show you how to be empty. How do I empty this out? Some of you... The moment you start turning your eyes on the Lord, your mind is flooded and starts racing. And you can't, you can't even calm your mind. You can't even calm your spirit. Some of you fear and worry and anxiety. All of that floods your mind. You don't even know how to get a break enough to get empty. Emptiness is what God's attracted to. Father, we open our hands to you today, right where we're at. And we say, Lord, say this, say, fill me. <laughs> Church, Jesus was poured out for you. Jesus was emptied for you. Jesus is more than enough. Jesus is that oil God poured out for you. And today as your hands are raised in a posture of openness, if you're here and you say, I want Jesus Christ to forgive me of all of the sin and mistakes I've made and give me a new hope and a new life today. I acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross, rose on the third day, to give me hope for eternal life. I want you right now to pray with me. Say this. Say, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for all of the things that I filled my life with. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all of my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross to forgive me, to give me a hope, to give me a future. Thank you, Jesus, for raising on the third day so that I can have hope for eternity. Today, Jesus, I'm asking you to fill me. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your spirit. I am yours today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, church, stand to your feet. Hands raised for a moment.
If you prayed that prayer at the end of the service, we'd like to, we'd like to know. We'd like to connect with you. I think we have a Bible for you. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. Lift your hands for me, church. I haven't, I haven't been here since November. But I felt like this was important for us as we go into this new year. To be empty so that God can fill us. Father, I pray that you would enlarge the capacity of your presence in these people's lives. That we wouldn't be satisfied with where we're at, not just as an individual, as a family, as a married couple, but as a church. We want more of you. We want more of your presence. We want more of your power. We want more of your purpose. We want more of your anointing. We want more of your healing. We want more of deliverance. God, we want more of you. We're not satisfied. We're hungry. Hunger is emptiness. And God, we say we're empty. We, we drain our lives of all of the things that have blocked our spirit from receiving your presence. All the things God's going to begin to speak to some of you right now. And he's going to begin to show you, put his finger on some things that you need to set aside. Shut the door on. Get out. Empty the vessel so that God can fill you. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for a spiritual breakthrough, healing to physical bodies. I pray, God, for financial provision significantly. I pray for open doors, opportunity, influence. I, God, I pray in Jesus' name the power of Satan will be rebuked over some people's lives today. I pray for the chains that have held you captive will be broken and snapped today. I pray in Jesus' name for the power of deliverance, the anointing that would break the yoke. Some of you came in here and your neck is heavy because you've carried a yoke. God is saying the anointing is breaking the yoke over your life today. Some of you have been bound and you have bonds that have chained you and held you captive. God is saying today those bonds are being broken and loosed over your life today. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And some of you, if you want freedom in your life, make more capacity for the Spirit in your life. And the more the Spirit is in your life, the less bonds and chains and things will keep you bound and captive. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for a breakthrough this year. I pray for a supernatural revival to hit this place. A revive to hit this city to hit this neighborhood, to hit this town, to hit this church, these people, these families, that something would shift in your life today and you'll never be the same. If you believe it, you receive it, and you ask God to fill you anew today, say a big amen. If you provide a fire We want to invite whoever wants, whoever feels led to come to the altar. If you provide the spirit, the man of God is here. I'm going to ask him to lay his hands and pray for you. God, we ask you to empty me of everything that's not of you this morning. Self, pride, ego, materialistic things. Empty me, God, and fill me with the things of you. Fill me 
things of you, God. I don't want to be the same. I want to run over. I don't want to be the same. I want to run over. I don't want to be the same. I want to run over. I don't want to be the same. I want to run over. I don't want to be the same. I want to run over. I don't want to be the same. I want to run over. I don't want to be the same. I
want to be the same God. something new in your life. As you make room for him, watch what God will do in your life. As you make room for him, watch God work in ways you've never seen.
Father, fill us, fill us, God, fill our house with your presence, Father. Let your glory saturate this place. Let your glory come into our house. Fill us with your spirit. minds to be renewed in Christ. 
empty ourselves. We want to be filled with you. From this moment, I want to walk with you in a way that I've never walked before. I want to experience you in ways I've never experienced before. I want to see your glory, God. I want to see your glory. Father, we pray for anyone that's asking for healing here this morning. Heal the bodies of your people, Father. We ask for complete healing. Complete healing from the crown of our heads to the sole of our feet. Complete healing of the mind right now. Complete healing from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet, God. We ask for a complete touch. Father, those that's praying for restoration this morning, they want to be restored in different areas of their life. God, we ask you that you restore them in full. Things that they thought they have lost out on, God, we ask you to restore them. Restore them, God. You are a God that never fails. You always come through on time. God, we ask for restoration. Brokenness, God. We ask that you come into any broken life here this morning. Anyone that feels broken and alone. We ask that you fill them with your spirit. And mend any brokenness in. For those that feel lonely, God, surround them, encamp them with your presence and your love. We pray for protection, God. Protect your people from any attacks or dangers protect your people from things that are coming that we may not see cover us and shield us God let your angels be upon us and around us protect us from any plan of the enemy for the Bible says no weapon formed against me shall prosper which means the weapon has been formed that it is being used, but it shall not prosper, God. You have a shield around me. Cover this church with your love. Cover this church with your hand. Cover your people, God. Those that's asking for a turnaround, God, we ask you. Turn around every heart. Situation. Turn around things that, that we didn't think could have turned around. So you 
could get glory from Jesus. We ask for a complete turnaround in our lives. Somebody give God a praise this morning. If you came in and you're leaving the same, I don't know what to say. You got to leave different. After a service like this, after a message from the man of God, after prayer at the altar, after an anointed worship, this is what it's all about. There's one thing that we always wanted to do is that when we have church and we open these doors, it must be the best thing that we can ever have for that moment. For we don't know if we'll have another one. And we want to have church as though this is the last. It in the last. But you have it as though this is, this is it. Because every day, every service has to be a unique opportunity for the connectivity to the power of God. We're here are not trying to cut time, not just trying to open the doors. God knows we opened the doors for months without anyone during COVID. But we opened the doors for you to come in so that you could get refuge and strength, find a sanctuary, find a place of prayer. Find a place of miracles, find a place of redemption, find a place of salvation, find a place of miracles. I feel the presence of God lingering upon people here today. I want everybody to stand in the balcony and up here. And I want you to close your eyes and I want you to lift your hands to heaven. We're going to close. I have two things to tell you as we close in a while. But there's a lingering power of the almighty God in this place. There's a sweet, sweet anointing. And I want you to release yourself before God. Maybe you didn't come to the altar, but there's a sweet anointing come upon you. And here is what I want to declare over you. I declare that this will be your greatest week you've ever had. Come on, I don't know about you. you got to receive it. I, I declare this will be your greatest week you have ever had. You said, Pastor, what does that mean? Does that mean somebody is going to give me a million dollars? Does that mean I'm going to get a raise? Does that mean I'm going, to, I'm going to buy a new car? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking you're going to get the best sleep. You're going to get the best peace of mind. You're going to get the best worship. You're going to get the best praise. I, I am declaring it over your life in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. And if you believe that, I want you to put your hands together and thank God. Come on, shout. A little louder, a little louder, a little louder. A 
Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I don't want to go, but I must go because I'm about to break my fast sometime later on. And that cook up rice, that doll in the pot is waiting for me. All right, some of you are too spiritual to admit that, but that's all right. Amen. What a service. Thank you, Pastor Jesse. Thank you, Sandra, Sister Sandra. Come on, let's give the woman of God a great round of applause. Thank you for being here with your husband for these couple days. Your presence is always great and always felt so inspiring to have you. Thank you very much. Amen. Lord bless you. Uh, two things. This is, this is the time we want to report and give you your financial statement. Now, we have a lot of people, and some say, I don't want, some say we want. We want to give it to everybody. But here's what we want to do. We want to give priority. For those of you who really do need it within the next two weeks, next three weeks, I want you to put it on there. I want you to send a, there are three ways of doing it. You're going you're gonna to sign up in, the, in there saying, here, I would like this, this is my name, and this is the name that I paid it under. Because I may know you as Bob, but you're you are writing a check under uh, Bobanati Shiranti. And I, we won't know where to find it, right, Pastor Mace? You will, be, you will have to look. So don't say Bob wants his thing. Say uh, uh, Babarati Shivarati needs it and this is it and whatever, right? And then you can give us an email. We can give it to you or we can hand it to you. So your giving letter, if you need it right away, or you can send an email with the information to lbfcny, lbfcny at gmail.com and say, this is Babarati Shivrati. I need my stuff and email it back to me. Or you call our 800 number. That's answered 24 hours a day. You leave your name and num- number and we will call you back and get that information from you. You don't have to give it to them. They'll just take your number and say somebody's going to get back to you. 800-314-1760 or sign up. After church saying, I need it. That's, somebody shout hallelujah, you understand? We want to get it to everybody, but I wanna, we want to get it to those who need it right away. So do that so that we can start getting it out to you by next week. Amen. And then the next thing, and you're going to give, all right? And, uh, and uh, we are going to have a financial statement for you regarding the church last year. And uh, we're going to have that sometime in February or early March. We want you to know uh, uh, what, what God is doing here and, uh, so that you can have a better idea and then a little more update regarding the church affairs from last year and what we're going to do this year. You should know that. Isn't that right? And, and, and those of you who are coming and really love this ministry, we want to, you to know that. So thank you very much. One other thing. Somebody shout cell groups. Somebody shout connect groups. Man of God spoke about it. And I would like to, we, we, the survey, Pastor Jesse, is about a third of the church is involved in cell groups. We're trying to see if we can have a half of the church involved. I like to see all the church involved. We have hundreds of people in this church. And we had how many totals? Uh, uh, 
No, no, I understand. But what was the total? Like 200 and something? When you totaled the 17 times, was 150 or? 210. But we have hundreds of people in this church. So if we had 210, we want to see 400. Well, if, all right, let's do the math. If 210 was one third, we need 300 this time. All right, yes, math. All right, so we need 300. We love 400. We have 400. But we love the 300 at least to sign up. It's starting, cell group is starting, uh, Brother Rick, on the second week of February, Correct. And what we do is you study the word of God, what the message was today, and then for 40 minutes, five, six, seven of you reach together on a Zoom, and you contribute two or three minutes. Here is how the message helped me. Isn't that a wonderful thing to make the word of God really come forward? Out of a message like today, many of you, if you really think about it, don't let the word die tonight. If you know by Wednesday night, by Thursday night, I have to reach in a cell group or Sunday night, you're going to get yourself together. Man, I want to say something about Pastor Jesse's message. And so that word continues on. And I want, I want you to know this becomes the, the, the pinnacle, the, the core of our church. It's not a side ministry. It's the core of the church. It is one of the reasons why the church has grown and will grow. And so I want you to sign up today outside for that and say, sign me up. There's a video, but we're not going to show it for time. I'm going to show it next week regarding Rick Waring. Two minutes, why cell groups and connect groups are very important for your life and for your life as a whole in the church. Thank you very much. We're going to give our tithes and offering. How many of you are ready? Let's pull it out, put it up before God. Amen. Amen. Let's play a little thing. And uh, are we, how are we doing this? We're going to go to, huh? It, it's just too many people. Let's go to them. Amen. So let's, let's get the, the, the men of God are coming around to, to, with the offering. Amen. Lift, lift it up before God. Three ways to give. And I thank you all for giving. You can give by Cash App. You go to Liberty Church NY, Liberty CHRE. Or you can go to our Liberty website, libertychurchny.org. Through Subsplash, you give your, 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 their debit or credit it takes. Or today, you can give by cash or by check, however you want. Say, in the name of Jesus, lift it high. In the name of Jesus, God has given this to me. God has given this to I return it to him. I return it to him. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's give to God. Don't leave yet. Amen. I have come to give back to you. I have come to say thank you, Lord. I have come to give back to you. see all of you back next week. Today's our last day of fasting. I want you to pick a day in the week to fast and pray. Once every week, I want everybody to pick a day and fast and pray. May the Lord bless you. May his face shine upon you. May you go in peace. You're dismissed. God bless you.